This message comes from NPR sponsor Grammarly. Get to the point faster and accomplish more with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. And when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium, get 20% off for being an NPR listener. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcasts. Okay, we're going to talk about blasts of gas. I'm, I'm, <laughs> all kinds of things we're going to be talking about next. Seriously, we're going to be talking about animals that eat their own poop. Um, we're going to be talking yeah. about all kinds of crazy, cool, fascinating, stinky, awesome, things. just juicy, all that good stuff. We're going to be talking about it next. We have award-winning author Melissa Stewart on Big Blend Radio with us, and she has written over. 180 science books for kids. Amazing. 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 And her newest title is a National Geographic kids book. And I'm so in love with this book. Like, seriously, (laughs) I don't care how old or young you are. Everybody needs to read this. Uh, It is called Ick. Like, I feel like we should be doing, you know, that one TV show, Iwa. Um, it's yeah, Iwa. <laughs> Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. It's out now. Go get it through all those outlets, Amazon, National Geographic Kids. You know, go right there, National Geographic Books. Um, but very excited to have her join us here on Big Blend Radio today. So, Melissa, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, doing good. good. Thank you for totally grossing us out, but we're not that grossed out. That's what's weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know. If, if Absolutely. You, yeah. No, no. It is. We love your book. Ick, Ick rocks. <laughs> I just want to say it does. But 180 books. So is this, Man. like, did you geek out? I mean, I always talk about that. When you When you start to geek out on the natural world, and you yeah. see all these interesting mm. different ways of how critters and plants and things do their things, but they somehow always, you know, we can identify in some way back to human life, I feel, in some way. Um, was this something that started for you as a kid? Yeah, I've really been interested in the natural world uh, for all my life and intrigued by cool animal facts. And in fact, I've been collecting the information for this book for more than 20 years. I would I would say so. Um, going through it, I was like, oh, she didn't just go like, here's a fun fact list. This was in-depth and having to understand how each animal lived to be able to pull that information and go, oh, now we can compile this. Um, did this start in your backyard? <laughs> do, you, do you watch animals and start writing it down? I do watch animals and start writing it down. Believe it or not, this book started on the other side of the world. Back in 1996, I took a trip to, uh, I went on safari in Africa, in Kenya and Tanzania. Mm -hmm. Cool. And one of the first days of the trip, uh, we saw a black-backed jackal. And we saw it go out. The parents went out and they caught some prey and they ate it, and then they came back to their den, and they regurgitated it. They threw yeah. it up so that their babies could eat it. And then the next day, we saw a jerrynook, which is a kind of antelope, mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. found out that it chews its cud, so it regurgitates and rechews the food up to four times because it eats tough grasses, and it's really hard to break down. And right then and there, I decided that I was going to start making a list of animals that vomit their vittles and the book grew from there. Oh, I love it. So, I love it. Okay, um, but real, real so, quick, um, real, real quick, Melissa, can you dial back in? There's like a connection problem. You're cutting in and out a lot, um, yeah. and we can hear you. We can do this, but if, I think if maybe sometimes when someone calls back in, it clears the line. So I don't know, but okay. if, would you mind doing that real quick? Sure. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. No, it's interesting, Nancy, because, you know, being well, in Kenya, it, we lived in Kenya and, and traveled mm-hmm. around. Did you ever see that? Well, I know the oh, jerinook. Yeah. I remember seeing but, the jerinook, and a lot of antelope do that. Well, you, but you don't. It, you you could be watching it and not know what you're watching, right? Be, because 
it's not that obvious. Like some things that animals do are really obvious. Other things, not so obvious. You just don't even know what they're doing. Mm, yeah. Right. So, yeah. And the Geronics are a very, um, they're very elusive and uh, you're lucky when you get to see them and to we, even see that process. Yeah, we were thrilled that we got to see them and we actually mm. saw them. One of the interesting things that they do is stand on their tippy toes to mm-hmm. get um, right. high leaves from higher in mm-hmm. the tree and we were able to see that behavior too. Mm. They do that because... Are you, are you able to call back in? Are you... I, Melissa, or I no? tried to call back in and it did it not work. Is it still a bad yeah, connection? Yeah, no. You have to like hang up. I think. Sorry about I, this, everybody, but we'll get it straight. Um. But, so yeah. All right. Let me so, try again. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Okay. The Jernook thing, like with the leaf eating in in the animal world, is be, the plants protect themselves. If you eat too many leaves, the leaves start to turn bitter on the tree or the shrub or the bush so Mm -hmm. that the animal will move on and not eat the whole thing. So Mm. in the Jeronook, because they have to stand up to eat, it, you know, um, it it gets tired really fast of standing on its hind legs to eat as an antelope. If you think of a deer, yeah, go mm -hmm. ahead. No, I was going to say that Jeronook is really cool because of that long neck. I remember watching them. Melissa, Mm -hmm. you're you're here. How, How are you doing? Okay. I'm doing well. Okay, it's still there, a little clickety clack, but you're there, and it's a lot better. But yeah, the Jeronik, Nancy, just so you know, a little backup. Nancy and I lived in Kenya and South Africa for many years, mm-hmm. and did a lot in in wildlife. And so talking about Jeronik, that's you know, it's I miss seeing those. I, did you freak out when you, see, you saw their necks at the beginning, yeah. like how they are, like getting up there? Yeah, in the tree? they're amazing animals. Mm-hmm. And there's a yeah. beautiful picture of them in in this book too. They really got a wonderful image of it. It's it, they're really really neat. And then, okay, so then you got to play with dung beetles. You know, those are. <laughs> you went to Africa. You played with dung beetles. It's kind of like the stink bug in a way. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, dung, be, dung beetles are incredible animals too, and also in this book that they they make poop balls. Some of them bury them and then they uh, lay their eggs in it so that when the eggs hatch, they have a source of food right there all around them. This is this is so cool. Now, what about stink bugs? I want to do something on stink bugs. That's my... <laughs> well, I, so I, don't, yeah, I don't think you got them in the book, but I'm going to have to do something on that because I think they're neat. The way they kind of do like their headstand, you know, you go on a hike and there, <laughs> there they are and you look down, you know, but this is you neat because, yeah, going through your book, there's all these things that animals do that we really don't know, and that's what Nancy was saying um, before when, with the you know during the phone call thingy here. Um, but like the western hook-nosed snake, so this just kind of farts his, he farts things out. He is the blast of gas. This is crazy. That's right. Yeah, he shoots a stream of air bubbles out of his butt. And it it vibrates against the walls of its intestine, and that's what makes that farting sound. Wow, wow. And then, okay, so now we're going to Texas in a couple of days here, and this is super cool. So they, you have this, like, lizard thing that is, like, shooting blood from his eyes. Like, it's like a desert iguana. Like, he's going to... It's a lizard. It is a lizard. It's a horn. Yep, Texas it's horn a lizard. western horn lizard. Yeah, and it it has many. It's a very small lizard. It has many defenses. Um, coyotes are its main predators. But if if it if all else fails, it will shoot blood out of its eyes right into the face of the coyote, and it smells terrible and it tastes terrible, and the coyote will back away. See now, this is this is what do you find like the desert animals do that too? Mm. Horn, horn, horn. We used to call them as kids horned toads. Um, mm. They look alike. That, that might be an alternate name. Oh, mm. because they do look alike. Yeah, you're right. And they 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 they, they look shoot. alike. Yeah. Huh. Oh, what well, what they do got me? Is well, I think the desert animals are always really interesting because 
they make things happen just on one drop of water kind of thing. You know, they are so resourceful, like desert plants. I just, animals in the desert, plants in the desert, how everything survives is pretty astounding. And, um, you know, it's funny because you'll go to a desert and you'll see like sand and you'll see some creosote tree, you know, uh, bushes and everything. People drive through and go, well, there's nothing here, but there's like hordes of life actually happening. And I think the Texas horned lizard is a really cool example of that. But I think that's part of what makes all these interesting, stinky, gassy <laughs> things is using what they have. It's all part of camouflage, but the same pages that you have of the Texas horned lizard, you have this desert blister beetle, and I've seen them. This oh. is crazy. And they kind of look like they look like a vulture. Almost like a Halloween kind of thing. You could go as a blister beetle to a Halloween party. Nice. Like Rip Rat from the Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. You know, that photo is awesome of that, you know. Um, But that beetle is almost vulture-like. It's, yeah. So this is also like a blood thing for them. Yeah, they have a chemical in their blood the attacker's mouth burns, so then they, the attacker will just spit it right out. Oh. Wow. <laughs> it's like it stinks, gross, it burns. It's all that. You've got the Asian bombarder beetle. Look at that. Oh, my God. When you start getting into all of this, this is this is crazy. So are these all animals that you've personally seen or you just started really, you know, and you said that it started in that, you know, safari and everything. I mean, the Virginia opossum playing dead. It looks like roadkill. Even that picture looks like it's playing roadkill. Yeah, it can really fool a lot of people. And the the thing that most people, a lot of people know that possums play dead. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they might not know is that they also exude this really stinky kind of liquid. And so that's one another thing that keeps the, the predators away, that they don't even go over to kind of sniff or investigate the the Virginia possum because it just this it the smell just makes them lose their appetite. <laughs> That's funny. So no but you know, okay, so this is all part of survival. But with this mm-hmm. kind of book for kids, don't you think they're gonna have more interest in animals when they see something like this? I, I think so. I mean that's one of the reasons that I wanted to write the book is to show just how incredible and all the amazing adaptations that these animals use to survive in the world. And some of them might seem a little bit gross or yucky yucky or icky to us, but it's really the animal using the resources that it has at its disposal Mm -hmm. to survive. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. I think that the the way that you put it... Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired. Fearless. Unstoppable. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess. For elite athletes only. Right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Together, we'll make parents and kids actually go, oh, let's go check this out. And they'll not only learn about the animals that you have in the book, but they'll learn about nature a little bit more. Like, man, maybe we should actually go outside and take a look around, even in our own garden, to see what might be out there and what yeah, does I it think, do. Yeah, because every there's a, a double-page spread for each animal, so mm-hmm. it's really it's really easy for readers and and to share the information and to kind of dip in and out as they want so Mm. they could read one per day Um, Mm. they could sit down and read the whole thing cover to cover there's a lot of different ways that they can access the information 
And I love National Geographic kids. When you go on their website, the whole books there, they always have something extra. They, it's kind of, they, they really have made it interactive for kids. Um, you know, we've done a lot of interviews over the years, and, and it's for that. You know, just they do, they bring the best people on like you, I mean, to do this. And, um, you know, it's like right now in the world of the digital age of information, and we're part of it, obviously, but it's important to have quality information. And I think National Geographic is still just the best. It, they, I mean, no one's going to beat them on this. You know, it's like it's really great to see fun, informative, and we're, I feel like well, it's if, can you do a history book next? Because that would be really cool. Because I think, <laughs> well, because animals, you know, I think kids have a thing with animals, but then some go, ew, I'm not going to do that, but then they'll go and look at it later. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. girls will go, no, but then they'll take the book and, you know, get their flashlight out and look at it later and just go like, oh, yeah, that's some crazy stuff. Well, how can I use that on boys? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, know, you know, so I think there's that um, that zaniness and craziness, but it's real, and that makes it really super cool to watch animals. I mean, watching wildlife, if the more mm, kids so get involved in it and families do it and have wildlife habitats in their gardens is that something that you believe in too is have if you can have some kind something in your backyard that you can watch that's wild because then there's that interest of like what's it doing you know sure yeah and i think even you know even if you aren't fortunate enough to have a backyard if you live in a more urban area you could go to a local park or even mm-hmm. if you're, you know, even if you're looking on the sidewalk, you can probably find some ants. And, you know, I wonder what they're doing and where are they going and where do they live and how do they live? There's just so many amazing questions that you can investigate and that you can kind of really inspire inquiry in kids mm-hmm. um, through through observing nature. It's so it's super cool. Yeah, this afternoon we were sitting on on the deck outside and we turn around because we see this black thing moving across the side of the wall and it's kind of a waspy like insect carrying a what is obviously a dead beetle so no carrying no it. it was a big bed no i filmed it it is a big okay. spider a big fat dead spider that was wasn't a beetle it was a big fat dead spider and it was a wasp oh. and what you saw was the shadow because it oh. was it was big. That wasp thing was probably the size of my middle finger. Like it, what was that? Two wow, two wow. inches? <laughs> two inches maybe? At least two wow. inches. It's like a one and a half inch to two inch waspy <laughs> thing. So it's not a cockroach, but it's the color of a cockroach. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, and I'm like, this is right before you come on a show. I'm like, cool. what did you do, man? It's you know, cool. and and I'm like, dude, what is this? And it is like a shadow walk, you know, went by, and there's this big fat spider, and then the wasp went down under the little deck thing, and the and he yeah, dropped, he dropped the spider. carcass. Yeah, he dropped the carcass, but I bet you he came back. And after this, the first thing we're gonna do is go look and see if the carcass is still there. <laughs> I bet it's gone. I know. They do drop the carcass. I think he got tired or maybe realized that we were there and he got scared. I think I scared it trying to photograph and film it. Yeah. But but they do that. uh, I don't know. And when the insect thing, and your book really does that, the insect thing, the insects are, I mean, they barf and they inject, they (laughs) bite, they kill. They, I, they really are like the the nonstop dinosaurs, huh? They are like yeah. the living dinosaurs. Yep, yep. And oh. the great thing about this book is that there are so many cool insects, but there's also mammals and there's amphibians and reptiles. Mm-hmm. So there's a wide variety of animals to choose from. No matter what you like, there's probably something in this book for you. Yeah, exactly. Oh. The bone-eating snot flower worm. <laughs> That's one of my Seriously. favorites. So they, they actually live about a mile below the surface of the ocean inside rotting whale carcasses. So when a whale dies, it falls to the bottom, and it can actually take about 20 years 
for its carcass to to decay. And during wow. that time, it's a yeah. During that time, it's a micro habitat for lots of different animals, including the the bone eating snot flower worm. Which don't you love that name? It's pretty amazing. Oh, damn, really. <laughs> The reason that it has that name, so it eats the bones of the whales, um, Mm. and it has flower in its name because it actually has roots that kind of drill into the whale bone. That's how it attaches, and then it uses those roots to um, extract nutrients from the bones, from the marrow of the bones, and that's how it gets its nutrition. Wow. So... That's what's so interesting to me because a lot of this goes back to food and resourcefulness. And you've got to think about humans learning a little bit about this. We can compost and, you know, kind of mimic that and be part of that. You know, you have a better soil and use our waste. And, you know, our first thing is about using our waste. Ew, you know, um, there's that. I remember the the Friends episode where it was like she got stung by a jellyfish and then somebody had to put pee on her leg for the jellyfish sting. And everybody's like, ew, freak out. But some of that stuff actually works. And nature does it all the time. I find it really fascinating about the nutrients because there's healing parts of it, but the food parts, like the panda, the panda and the, and the bamboo poo. I mean, <laughs> that's interesting because... It's like you get to have seconds, but it's really just gone through your body and you're redoing it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the second course in a weird way. It's not like, I mean, it's yours, kind of. <laughs> kind of it's, in, it's all in the family. Can yeah, I put for, it that so way? For, the, for the pandas, the baby panda, when it's first born, it drinks mother's milk like all mammals. But before it can start to eat solid food, it has to eat some poop from its mom because it has bacteria that the baby needs in order to be able to digest food, which is mostly bamboo. So without that, and by the way, baby elephants are the same exact way, huh. that they need to have poop from their parent before they can digest their food source. Wow. Huh. This is amazing. You know, so can I ask you this? Were you that information? Are you talking about all elephants, whether they're in captivity or in the wild, or just animals in the wild, or just captivity animals? All, that's all elephants. All, all elephants. Of them. So they they aren't able to digest the plants that they eat without mm. having specific bacteria living in their intestine, and the way for them to get that is by a transfer from the parent to the baby through the poop. Oh, so So this is... Go ahead, Nancy. No, I was just going to say, because we spent so many years in Africa, and I've seen some of that, and my interpretation wasn't that they were eating it. It was more like they were sniffing it around and flinging it. Because they might have flung it from the from in the process. That's definitely yeah. possible. But yeah, they yeah. do need to ingest it so that they oh, can get wow. those nutri- those that bacteria. I wish I'd known that. No, I know because people have no. There's like Facebook videos about elephants eating each other's poo, mm-hmm. and people yeah. freaking out about it. And I'm like, yeah, dude, there's gonna be a reason why. Now I know. Now it's like, okay, everybody, listen. Huh. You know, interesting. Well, it, look, and then there's you know, yeah. I mean, the bacteria thing, if you think about for humans here, oh, everybody's like, you better eat your yogurt, your pro, what, pro whatever, probiotics. probiotics and everything. And we've lost all that because of the way our nutrition has kind of gone into right out the, the wasteland. Window. We've lost our nutrients. We've, you know, so nature knows nutrients and bacteria and how they work together. We hear bacteria and we run run from the hills and we're like, how the hell let's corks and bleach everything, especially now in the COVID situation. Now we're all in that mode. But honestly, we do need to have bacteria to survive. And we've all learned that now. Everybody's got all these issues, digestion issues. And I'm wondering, can we take a little note from nature's handbook of what we used to be like as humans too, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think every I think that uh I read a statistic that one 
I think nine out of every 10 cells in your body is a foreign creature. So that it could be a bacteria, it could be another kind of little microorganism, but we live in harmony with them. We have a symbiotic relationship. And if we didn't have foreign bacteria, just, just like the, the pandas, if we didn't have foreign bacteria living in our digestive system, we wouldn't be able to digest our food. Yeah, mm. you're sure you couldn't eat Chinese food for sure. <laughs> oh, God, no. oh my gosh, you know. Well, you know, it's it's all yeah. I mean, it's all different. It's neat. I I love your book, and thank you for putting ox peckers in there. I grew up watching them, oh, and I so love cool. them. And some of the birds in the Southwest, where we are right now, is you know you see like well not here grackles and starlings they all kind of and even like if you see a cedar wing uh you know that they kind of reminded remind me of them and i i just i really miss the ox peckers because we've, yeah, we've so that- seen them on everything they've been on crocodile sitting on a crocodile they've sat yeah. on hippos, buffaloes i mean you name it they'll go on a everything lion they that don't has care a tick. They're, if it has yeah, a tick they, they're there that, it's like a yep. drug for them they and the but the thing is like they they seem uh so helpful for eating the ticks but they're actually not after the ticks at all they're after the blood inside and so if they land on let's say a rhinoceros they will actually wait for the tick to attack and to drain blood out of the rhinoceros before they eat it and if and if there aren't enough bloody ticks on a particular animal they don't mind nibbling on earwax or spit or snot or dandruff so they will eat (laughs) a lot of different a lot of different choices for their cuisine 92 percent of households that start the year with peloton are still active a year later 92 percent because of a bike not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. But it doesn't hurt the animal. It doesn't hurt the animal, no. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so like, look at a remora fish, right? They go out there, you know, this is that whole thing that, you know, where they're, I can't remember the word. It's not symbiotic. Symbiotic. Symbiotic, yeah. Yeah, symbiotic fish will, like, you know, hang out with the sharks and do this thing, and everybody's like, no, no, you're going to eat. No, the shark wants it because that's like their cleaning system, right? So the oxpecker, I mean, I think the other animals are like, that's my personal groomer. And they always have the space of someone massaging and cleaning me. I'm being, I, you know, I'm being, you know, I'm getting my hair done because some of the animals, (laughs) depending on where the animal is, I mean, the bird is like the oxpeck will be doing like going down in that ear and you can see the animal just kind of close its eyes. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm being massaged right now. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Like, Seriously, that's where all these Disney shows come from, is those faces. And that just shows that, you know, these animals do get along. And I think that's kind of a cool thing, too. You know, it's like they're working together. You have this. I have that. But watching, like, big animals totally, like, zone out when a little bird's, like, pecking at their earwax and ticks, that's pretty cool. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) It's super cool. It's super cool, it really is. Um, but yeah, so Melissa, what's next for you? So my next book is actually going in a totally different direction. Next spring, I have a picture book coming out. 
It's called 14 Monkeys, a Rainforest Rhyme, and it's about a group of 14 different species of monkeys that cool. live in a, a, a kind of really out-of-the-way rainforest in Peru, and it's the only place in the world where 14 different kinds of monkeys can all survive together in harmony. And so the book looks at what are the characteristics of these particular monkeys, what are the characteristics of the ecosystem that allow them to all mm. live together in harmony. Cool. I've got to ask, what is your writing world look like? Because writing um, ick, like I could see all kinds of cartoon pictures and giggles and grins happening while you're formulating it. Like now that's a fun word to use here. And I don't know, it kind of looks like to me that I have my own vision, but you know, writing all of this and putting it together, just like you're saying the 14 monkeys, you're the way you're putting things together you know, I think it's important and you're making it fun and interesting. And I, you know, I just, you know, the work, you know, anyone doing anything in the world of science and animal science and nature to educate. And it's such a, it's like trying to teach history. It's very hard and incredibly necessary, especially right now yeah. when it feels like the world we has decided to ignore science. So I, I really, really appreciate what you've done. And again, Thanks. you right. know, yeah. I was going to say writing a book like this is really a lot of fun because I get to use all kinds of words that I normally wouldn't. Like how many people every day get to use the word poop and butt and fart and words like that are all <laughs> over this book. And that's well, well, I love it. it. Learned radio. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's, I love it. That's but really I mean, when funny. you're doing it, because it's fun. It's a fun, like, it's a fun writing lesson, too, you know, because how you, you don't overdo it, and then you have to be creative with it. And it's exactly as kids, we're going to be like, oh, they said fart, you know. During this whole COVID cool. thing, one of, one of my friend's kids, um, she was like, well, my kid today, this afternoon, I'm getting some downtime. Why? Because my son is Zoom chatting with a friend, and they're Googling fart. They're calling <laughs> Google to fart and I'm like so I'm going to let her know like hello they need this <laughs> oh, I, I think they would like this book yeah okay I have to say this about the word fart <laughs> Does it come, according to Wikipedia the, you know the god of the internet middle <laughs> no. English words ferten, fjorten and farten kin of the old high German word ferten Oh, here we go. It's She's gone right there. The old North <laughs> right there. in Greek and Sanskrit. The word fart has been incorporated <laughs> into the colloquial and technical speech of a number of occupations, including computing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't get that definition. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh really, my gosh. I don't. But oh, maybe a oh. computer tech will say... Yeah, we we use that the, that your computer's That's farting. That's because they have cookies. Cost, no, you know, your computer's cookies. farting. It'll cost you two hundred and ten dollars. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Your computer ate too many cookies. That's the part of it. You got to have the cookies in there. Got it. So well, I'm I'm looking forward to your next book on monkeys. And again, I appreciate the work you've done because it is. I mean, you're also bringing species to light that people don't know. And I think that is the coolest part of it is here's this fun way of teaching, you know, kids and their parents and all ages, hey, this is how animals live and this is why they're smart. They're, you know, I'm, Nancy and I have this thing. Animals are super smart and we just don't know yeah. it. Yeah, they yeah. are. You know, mm -hmm. who was it that? said that they're not as smart as humans. I don't believe so. I think we're just different, yet we're all connected in some well, way. We're, we're smart in our world, and they're smart in their world. The yeah. problem is yeah. our worlds clash. They, uh, yeah. they have their own special ways of surviving, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's important for us to understand that and to respect it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. They're not dumb by a long shot. Mm -mm. I know dogs no. that are way smarter than their owners. Oh, uh -oh. owners! Now it goes to the well. That means if you use the word owner, that's Whoopsie. not a family. Yeah, that that means it wasn't. Yeah, that that's a uh -oh. that's a a reason why you're saying that. 
Um, I, I, so before you go, I, I wanted to touch base on animals. Obviously, you've been watching animals and been involved in this. Why was it that you decided to write for children? Uh, you know, that's a really good uh, question. So way back, my first book, book was published in uh, 1996, and that wow. was, it was about life without light. It's about creatures that live deep under the ocean cool. and uh, deep inside caves. And at, that awesome. was, it was right around the time when hydrothermal vents in the ocean were just discovered. And it mm. was, I was writing, I, at that, back at that time, I was writing a lot of, um, magazine articles for adults and I said you know this is something that really someone should write something for kids about this because they would just be so fascinated and mm -hmm. that's when I really started to think more about writing books for children mm, I like that um, you know I think for kids they get I don't know we we got to do everything for them too right? I, I and, think if you want to make a change in this world you start with the kids Absolutely. You know, a lot of people say a book that you read when you're a child, it can really change the whole way that you think about the world because your, yep. your you know, your ideas, they, they say that when an adult mm. reads a book, they're mostly looking for confirmation of their current view of the world. But mm -hmm. over kids, it can, it can open doors to them. It can make them see the world in a new way because they're just like little sponges Absolutely. trying to soak yeah. it all up. And so it's just, it feels just so important and so gratifying. It feels like such an honor to be able to share this information with them and to know that you're may, maybe I'm turning someone into a future scientist. Exactly. Mm. I, I that, totally agree with that. I, I love that. I'm, I'm going to have to follow you on Twitter and everything because I just, <laughs> I just want the word science blasted everywhere. Everywhere. I want to plaster it on walls. I just want That's it out there. Because I don't know if you had a chance to visit my website, but it's called Celebrate Science. And that's that's really what I feel that all my books do and that I, I feel like, you know, if one of my books inspires a kid to look under a rock or to follow a butterfly just to see where it's going, then my job is done. So this is an interesting thing. I'm going to ask you this because with what we do in publishing and, you know, media and everything, here's always the word science and science and technology. They go hand in hand. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. what about nature and wildlife and categories? Well, Even science. when you put your podcast in places like YouTube and everything, okay, now you have animals. Okay, we can do that because they know everybody loves cat videos, right? So there's all this marketing thing and musicians go through this exact thing. Don't label me, but at the same time, science, I feel like it's actually completely misunderstood in the general world. And that science is almost mm -hmm. like a scary, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to know math. <laughs> I'm going to have to be smart if I have anything to do with science around me. And so there's like this fear of education. And that brings me to why I love this book so much, because that's the thing that changes and get people, but, kids, and adults, you know, into understanding the natural world, whereas the word science freaks people out. They have all these different, especially adults. Like you were saying, they're already, oh, I'm going to try and confirm things, and, you know, but science, I think there's a whole bunch of us who geek out and love it, but there's this huge portion that we really do need the fart jokes to make it move forward. <laughs> Make it. I know. Yeah. Sorry, that was funny. Yeah. That was bad. I, I think, well, no. You know, I think that you're right. That's that basically what science is. Is it's the pursuit of understanding the world. And it's, yeah. it's very simple, and it's yeah. it's just about observing things around you and mm -hmm. understanding them, being being curious, asking questions. Right. And people sort of think it's this hard thing with with test tubes and beakers. Um, but, no. you know, but, but science is everywhere all around us, and we are all, every one of us is born a scientist. We are all born asking questions and curious about the world, mm -hmm. and it, it, I think it's a real failure of our society that we ki we turn kids off from that. We we mm -hmm. discourage them from asking all those questions, and um, mm -hmm. it's really a shame. You know, science is really merely the idea of you're outside 
okay? And you see a bird do something. You, at that moment, when you're observing that, you're being a collector of scientists, science or a scientist, you're actually just observing what some other physical being did. That's mm-hmm. all you're doing. Science is it's merely the idea of watching something and seeing how it behaves or acts. That's all. And then if you want to go further into science, you put all the things you've seen about one thing into a format and explain and say, okay, I've seen this bird do this 25,000 times. So I think when the hornbill goes down to the pond and drinks water, it's drinking water. And maybe a little further, if you can go further and experiment with the hornbill drinking the water, it only likes this part of the water and shoots the rest out. I don't know. But that's what science is. It's about being observant and coming to some kind of conclusion. That's it. Yeah. That's I was all. thinking while you were talking, you know, you when you were talking about um, observing the, that insect with the spider this afternoon, yeah. Yeah. That you were doing science. You were engaged and you were yeah. interested and you were excited and you had questions and you wanted to know more. And yeah. that's that's what science is. It's yeah. Because what he was dragging was way bigger than him or her. I know. Right. So yeah, then, it was so way then, bigger. So that's, that's like, actually physics, right? So you yeah. at first you were doing biology, but then you're doing physics. So what is it about the body structure of that particular insect yeah. that allows it to be able to carry a spider that obviously weighs significantly more than it does? Well, how do its muscles work? Yeah. Um, or like, yeah. or mm-hmm. is it because it's a fresh kill because it's still plump with all its juice in there? Is this heavy thing going to suck its juice out? <laughs> it's going to do it. I'm telling you. It had that look. It was but like it it's just, got to go But then me. it just dropped it. It dropped it. I don't know if it and intentionally then, dropped it. It dropped it between the, I will the let you wood know flaps that, of the gonna, So now I'm going to tweet it. Yeah, you, you know what? You have, to, you have to tweet me tomorrow. And tell I me if like that yeah. spider is still down there or if it has disappeared. Do we have I'm, to go to I'm, the I'm deck tweeting it to you, the photo at least. <laughs> it's a terrible photo because I took it with my cell phone. And we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, we've got to get this yeah, down. It, check know. it out. Send I wish I had my camera. It's really back. interesting. It is a trip. And so it was just like, dude, this is so cool. But I think all of yeah. that is really neat. That's the thing about getting out of nature. You'll appreciate it more instead of killing it, you know, and yeah. we get all freaked out about insects and stuff. And oh, yes, there's a point of like, okay, like we also want to live and not die and be bitten by, a, you know, a recluse spider like or something like that. Mosquitoes you know, with, that, with, that carry malaria and stuff like that. So yeah, but, you have to have a healthy dose of, okay, reality, there's a certain point, but, you know, because you also live in this world too, but understanding and getting involved you start to this whole other world opens up and you get to i'm going to say this nature and things that we're talking about if you read you go through this book it's so creative there's it's the most creative stuff you've ever read and it's real and it's part of science and nature and how things work and you will start to think differently in how you do things nature is the mm-hmm. best creative um inspiration that you can have because nature will do whatever it needs to do to do something whether it's farting uh barfing <laughs> if you're a barfing bird on that the island, really good, what, you know, i know it'll do whatever you need to do and and you just got to get over all the little you know things so uh melissa it's such a joy a real joy speaking with you and thank you for all the work that you do um not and, just with this book, but all your books Actually, and letting us have the the wherewithal to say fart on our radio show. <laughs> I know. Can I play butt pan? <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> I know we have a butt pan thing, but anyway, we, we'll behave. But uh, thank you again, and um, we're gonna play the song Uncle Remus Tales. We do this all the time. We we anytime it's like kids and animals and books, this is the perfect song for it. It's from our friends the Tallman Group. So everyone, again. Uh, you can go to melissa-stewart.com. Is that the same website? You had a different yep. name? 
Yep. Well, okay. it's called Celebrate Science, but you got the right URL. Yep. Okay, cool. You can go there, everybody, and also go to National Geographic Kids Books. Go, I mean, anywhere you can go get the book, go get it. It's super fun. Um, and I would say go get it for summer because as you travel around, you're going to start. It will give you a way to learn nature. So many people are mm-hmm. out road tripping this year, and when you start to observe how animals live and survive, then when you're seeing other animals, maybe not the same ones in the book, you're going to go, oh, I wonder if it's the similar kind of thing as this one. It'll get you and, watching. And then you can go way. do some research and find out. Exactly. You know, Just like the wasp and the You, you and can the, write your own book. That is. There's, yeah. a really cool, there's a really cool exercise that people can do is, I saw a hawk this morning. Pretend you're the hawk. How do you think you'd feel way up there? Would you circle the same way? Do they always go clockwise or it is that just what I'm seeing? Sometimes do they go the other way? I see clockwise when I see a hawk. They just seem to go clockwise. Not sure I'm right about it, but I mean, maybe if we went like past the equator and halfway around the world, they'd be going counterclockwise. I'm not sure. Now I just recently started to think about it because we see hawks. So sometimes sitting on the deck, when we see a hawk circling, like, dude, they're still going clockwise. I want to go up there and pretend to be one and figure out why they're just going clockwise. That's a good question. Yeah, isn't it weird? No, it's not. I think that's the point. That's the whole point is, like, we take going on around us for granted, and we have no idea all these little things are going on. We don't know, you know, maybe – Maybe they're, they're farting when the they've thermal, been around. The weather. Maybe maybe they're farting. I'm just going to bring this back <laughs> up. Maybe that's how they get around. They get on the thermal, then they fart to keep going around. Maybe that's their gas. You know, they move forward. So maybe if the <laughs> thermals are going the other way, counterclockwise, they'd be going counterclockwise. Probably. Yep. But that's all of that, that if we got involved, that's what I love about this. It, this book makes you get involved. All the National mm-hmm. Geographic books are awesome, but this one... I really this is this is dear to my heart because it's making me really think like why it's making me ask why on every little thing now that I've seen with animals that I kind of I took for granted. Jeronooks. I've watched Jeronooks chew and cows oh, yeah, and they chew so their cool. cud and you and you, you know they're chewing their cud. You can see them like, swallow. Well, what are you? Why? You know. So all of that can, kind of thing is it's all about asking why. So anyway, Melissa, thank you so much. We're going to play Uncle Remus Tales. Thank you for joining us. And please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you back on the show. You can talk okay. about science and animals and nature anytime on our show. Awesome. Anytime. Okay. okay thank Real you very pleasure. much. Thanks. You take care. Have a good summer. And good luck with your next book with the 14 Monkeys. I love that. Thank this you. going to be so cool. So everyone, again, melissa-stewart.com and, of course, National Geographic. Kids, you're going to go there, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places you can get books. Um, the book is there, and again, it's called Ick, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. <laughs> you got to go get it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on today's show. Debbie Stone, Melissa Stewart, for joining us as guests. Thank you, listeners, as always. We will be back on Friday. Friday's show is big. We have got the, yeah. oh, my gosh, the Flying Tortuga Brothers. Uh, the two cool. artists in residence going to Dry Tortugas National Park for a full month. And we have Shelly King, B.B. King's cool. daughter, on the show. And uh, awesome. she is an amazing mm. vocalist. Amazing. So you're going to want to hear that. So here it is, Uncle Remus Tales. Take care, everybody. Come home from work, I was already in bed. Mama fixed some a plate, I'd stay awake, cause I knew once he was fed. He'd climb them stairs, open the door to my room. With a pat on her head, he'd sit on the edge. Read me a story or two 
about Brother Bear and Mr. Cricket. Oh, Brer Rabbit loved jumping in the thicket and brave King Lion saving Sister Cow. They lived together in them would somehow every time without fail. Off into dreamland I'd sail With daddy reading Them uncle we must tell Now that old storyteller He lived in a cabin in the south With a corncob pipe Bouncing just right Stories flowed with the smoke from his mouth And daddy would read them Just the way they was read Them creatures came alive At my bedside Sometimes scared me a bit Like when Sister Fox Met Swamp Gator That gizzard eater Nearly ate him Don't be frightened now Brother Frog You'll be safe in that old hollow log Every time Without fail Off into dreamland I'd sail With daddy reading Them uncle we must tell Come home from work, my boy's never asleep. I fix me a plate, climb them stairs, into his room I will peek. Him and his friends are playing them video games. I shake my head, shut the door. Think to myself, what a shame For poor Brother Bear and Mr. Cricket Nobody cares, Brer Rabbit in the thicket Or brave King Lion saving Sister Cow Wish my daddy would read me one now Like when Sister Fox met Swamp Gator Man, that gizzard eater And every time without fail Off into dreamland I'd sail With my daddy read Them uncle we must tell Some nights we'd both fall asleep to them Uncle Remus.